Hello, hello. Welcome back to Adorn Podcast. This is episode 90, and we are going to be talking about Matthew 13. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. 90 episodes. It's a good thing I like to talk to you because that's a lot of hours. (laughs) That is a lot of hours of talking. A lot of hours of talking. Almost two years or right around two years. Yeah, almost. Crazy. That is crazy. So let's define what a parable is because we're going to be seeing Jesus tell a lot of parables in chapter 13. Yeah, so I used the quick Googs for for a first definition. And I was impressed because it talked about Jesus on the Googles. So the definition said, (laughs) um, a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson as told by Jesus in the Gospels. That's what the Google says. And then... um, one of the resources that I used in preparing for this that I'll reference a lot because it was really good was an article on Ligonier and it said a parable is an extended simile or metaphor that explains aspects of spiritual truth in everyday terms. The word parable describes the act of placing two objects or ideas side by side for comparison. I like that. I always like Ligonier stuff. They have good stuff. Yeah, they do. So Jen Wilkin brought this out in a teaching I was listening to by her. She said um, a parable is not the same as an allegory. And I was like, well, I wouldn't get the two mixed up because I, I don't know, know what, what an, an allegory, allegory is. <laughs> and she said an example of an allegory would be the Chronicles of Narnia. And okay. each element in that, for the most part, she said there are some things that are used just to push the story along along but for the most part each element has a specific purpose okay and it's also not super realistic like animals are talking in the chronicles of narnia um but in a parable not every single element has a specific meaning and they also tend to use more everyday circumstances like we're going to see the parable of the sower and the net and all, all of that so things that the people that they were talking to could relate to that's really helpful because I feel like when I read the parables, I'm like, okay, what does that thing symbolize? Yes. What does that uh-huh. thing symbolize? Exactly. Everything has to mean something really yeah. important. And so that's really yeah. helpful to for her to, to distinguish the two. Yeah. 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 I thought that was good. And um, we can keep in mind as we enter this chapter that we are about to enter Jesus's third discourse in Matthew. So kind of like his third sermon. Yeah, so these um, these particular parables are sometimes referenced as the kingdom parables. And I was just trying to think of like, okay, how can we sum up what this whole chapter is saying? Because there's a bunch of different parables, but there's got to be some main message that Jesus is trying to um, convey. And so this is my summary. This is I did not pull from anywhere. This is just kind of how it helped me to yeah. think about this going through it. So my summary would be that Jesus is saying, preach the gospel, give your life for it. Let God expand his kingdom kingdom through your obedience and one day we'll be with him for eternity. So that's just my summary. Chandler, he kind of defined this, um, the kingdom parables as having, redefining the kingdom as dwelling dominion in dynasty. Um, he had a pretty good sermon. His sermon wasn't specifically about just these parables. It kind of went all over the place, but it was really helpful. So if after we go through this, you're like, I feel like I want a little more scriptural context, then um, that will be linked. Chandler's yeah. sermon will be yeah. linked. It was so funny. I was trying to tell 
Taylor someone about someone named Matt when we were on a bike ride the other day. And I was like, Matt, you know Matt? And Abby's like, yeah, Matt Chandler. And I was like, I love you, child. You're That's like, not who I, I was talking about. I listen to him a lot. <laughs> That's it's funny. so funny. It's really funny. So he he has some really helpful things um, before we jump into the, the text. He's reminding us that he, when Jesus is trying to redefine the kingdom, he has to first understand what people think the kingdom's going to look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're, we're remember we're in Matthew, there's this kind of the Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus and come after him and the disciples are trying to understand like who are you Jesus? What what are we supposed to do? You're the Messiah. What do we do now? How do we live? So they're keeping all of that in mind. We have to understand that their cultural context made a big difference as well. So what Matt was saying was that at that time when they were thinking of kingdom, they were thinking of um, like a political or a military right. superpower. Mm-hmm. And so they were um this is during Romans, Roman rule. And so they were thinking there's going to be this huge overtaking of the Roman government. And um, he referenced back in Daniel that that passage where they're talking about this huge, like, um, maybe that's an allegory. I don't know. I'm getting distracted <laughs> now. Um, but if they talk about this vision he has, this dream he has, where there's this, like, ultimate huge giant thing and it gets tumbled down uh-huh. and it's tumbled down by this coming Messiah. And so that's what they think of when they mm. think of the kingdom coming right. is this yeah. tumbling down of every other superpower that there is out there. So when Jesus comes and he's saying all of these things to them, of this is the way, this is the way of the Lord. Like when he talks about the Lord's prayer and the sermon on the Mount and he's talking about doing work on Sabbath and they're just so confused mm-hmm. at what they thought the kingdom was going to look like. And Jesus is like, let me help you. And so he's trying to, like Casey said, use everyday things that they would recognize to redefine what it means that the Messiah is here and that the kingdom is coming. Mm-hmm. So and I thought that was helpful. Yeah. And he's essentially having to repeat himself over yes. and over because yes. the disciples were just as stubborn as we are. And it takes a long time for them to understand. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to go ahead and dive into the parable of the sower in verses one through nine. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea and great crowds gathered around him, about him, sorry, (laughs) so that he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things in parables saying, a sower went out to sow and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain. Some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. I was trying not to laugh as I was reading that because when Jen was teaching through this, she said that when Jesus sat down, all she could think was, oh man, if Matt got up on a Sunday and sat down, I'd think we're never going to (laughs) leave. So she said, she thinks of that as Jesus, you know, saying, okay, you know, we're going to be here a while. That's so funny. But whenever I read the very first thing that it said that same day, like it's easy for me to say, well, he's Jesus, so he can preach and teach indefinitely without getting tired. Because, I mean, he we're just coming from where he's like been preaching and preaching and preaching. Um, but I was thinking about the fact that Jesus is fully human. Yeah. And so I'm sure like when he was going into 
these parables, I'm sure he was physically and emotionally exhausted by this time. Especially because how many times he's had to explain and repeat himself. Right. Over like, hey. and over. Like, it's not like he's just, like, up there singing a song that he's known his whole life. You know, like, right. it's just, it, he's still human and he's having to think. And this is an emotional thing he's doing. And so I was thinking about how this, to me, is a great example of just perseverance. Um, because sometimes, like... At the end of the day, I'm just exhausted and I just want to throw the towel in and be like, forget it. I'm done being an adult. I'm <laughs> done running a ministry. I want off of social media for good. Like, I just want to just give up on everything. Um, but we can look to Jesus and see, like, even in his exhaustion, he kept he kept pressing on. Yeah. I think, too, if we're thinking about this as a as a kingdom parable, what is he saying about the kingdom here? He's he's saying that it. His God's kingdom is coming through the hearts of people, not through political power, yeah. not through military yeah. power, but through people. Mm-hmm. And and to us, we know that, right? We're like, mm-hmm. we know about discipleship. Yeah. We know about how God's word is in our hearts and how we're to call to tell others about that. But we have to remember that to them, they're like, wait, what? This was a completely foreign concept. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and um, one of my favorite things about this parable is I think sometimes we can get um, caught in the like, what does every single thing signify? And this one, you know, is a, a little more straightforward of the parables that we're going to look at because we can see like the soil is always different people's hearts and different things. But what we can take away from this is that, you know, we are called to share the gospel mm-hmm, and we yeah. are called to do it as we go. Like that's one of the things that I noticed from this is that he's like on his way to sow seeds and some spill here and some spill there. Like the gospel should spill out from us. Like God's oh, love and his kingdom should overflow that it falls on even on rocky soil. And we don't have to worry about that. We don't have to worry mm-hmm. about making the rocky soil good soil. Like it doesn't say, and then the sower stopped and tried to grow those seeds and fix the soil and do all these things. It just, it overflows. Overflow. And then in that overflow, like God's the one and it's the spirit's power that does the work and we're not called like it doesn't even say there like um that the sower has any control over the outcome it's just that he's sowing the seeds Mm -hmm. and then god is the one who is is doing the work and and that's just really freeing and encouraging and convicting Mm -hmm. all at the same time like am i overflowing with the gospel am i letting trusting god to to do a work with the seeds that i sow am i even sowing seeds and so i think it's just it's um, a good parable for us to kind of reflect and and see, reminding ourselves this is how the kingdom spreads mm-hmm. is through the hearts of men and and women. Obviously, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. But um, and then like, am I trusting God with the process? Yeah, that's good. I think a lot of times we can separate like ministry and sharing the gospel oh. from just like our day to day lives. That's good. Like, okay, I'm gonna take the kids to the park, and you just get so focused on either playing with your kids or snacks (laughs) or, you know, whatever. And you're not thinking about like, um, sharing the gospel or, or whatever. I'm not saying you should go to the park and stand up on a bench and start preaching out of your Bible. That's not what I'm saying. But like when Aaron used the word overflow, like, I think that's such a good picture of, of what our life should be doing. Mm -hmm. Like the gospel should just flow out of us and we shouldn't separate our day to day life and things that we do, like go to the grocery store and, um, just go to the gym, do whatever we do versus ministry and like witnessing to people like, it should yeah. there shouldn't be any separation it yeah. should just be the gospel overflowing as we go yeah it's really good so the purpose of the parable so jesus is going to come back in a minute and explain the parable of the sower but in between there um 
the disciples ask a question. So verses 10 through 17. Then the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who who has more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull and with their ears, they can barely hear and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. It's a lot of seeing and hearing. and Yeah, it's a lot of repeating. Yeah, a lot of repeating. So I think, um, well, I mean, there's so much we could go into from this, but one of the things I think is important to draw out is that Jesus, he says, he's saying here, like, the people who understand, this will help them understand more. Yes. The people who don't, this will even confuse them more yeah. almost. You feel like yes. that's a fair way to describe yeah. it? Yeah. Which that's, that's a hard thing for us to hear, but we were talking about this a little bit in um, in my, one of my, my seminary class, and he was talking about like it, this continual shutting down of the truth, this continual like, I'm not going to listen to you, I'm not going to listen to you, and turning away, which is you know what the Pharisees were doing, saying it's just hardening their heart, it's dulling their heart, mm-hmm. it's dulling their heart to the truth and their ears and their eyes from believing. And so there's kind of this tension of, um, it does seem like Jesus is like, well, they're never going to understand anyway, but also there is human responsibility in that. Mm-hmm. What, do, what do you think it's about tough. that? So my Bible note said to those who have a relationship with Jesus, parables deepen understanding and foster that relationship. But to those who do not, parables increase their confusion and ignorance. Thus, the function is both to enlighten and conceal. And like Aaron was saying, like, this is really confusing to me because I, I know that um, God is sovereign and but it's it's hard for me to grasp because I'm like, why would he conceal this for some people? And I think it comes down to, we were talking this out a little bit before we started recording. And I think it comes down to the fact that we're all guilty. Like we're all, no one deserves to go to heaven. No one deserves um, for Christ to pay for our sins. Like nobody deserves that. Um, and so the fact that any of us have that salvation is, is a gift. Um, but it's, it's hard to grasp. Yeah. I think it comes down to, to like we hear all the time, the, you know, the Holy spirit illuminates things or Mm -hmm. opens our eyes to things and things like that. And so it's kind of this, this weird thing where it's like, sometimes we see hardening and sometimes we see eye opening. But one thing that really stuck out to me as you were reading this again, that I didn't catch the first few times was that he says that, um, they, if they see with their eyes and hear and understand with their heart and turn, I would heal them. Mm-hmm. So we see that like if, um, and we see that even in, in Jeremiah all the way back in the prophets, in the prophets where it says like, if, if someone repents and turns away, like I am there, yeah. I am faithful and I am, and I will heal them and I will allow them to be able to understand yeah. those kind of things. So it's kind of this really tough spot of like mm-hmm. how much of it is, our responsibility and how much of it Uh is. But one thing that, another thing that I just thought of right now is that even like, 
even faith, like you're talking about, like even faith, even salvation, even repentance is because God has lifted a veil mm-hmm. from our eyes. Yeah. yeah, it's all God. And so just like thinking of it like, like that is that even what we think is our responsibility, like, well, I have faith or I chose Jesus or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like even that is because God illuminated his goodness to you yeah. and what he's done for you. And so even things we think are our responsibility mm-hmm. are actually a work of God. Right. Right. It's, it's tough. It is tricky. Yeah. It's tricky, but yeah. So do you want to explain the parable of the sower? Okay. Versus <laughs> through Jesus's words, <laughs> through Jesus's words. Okay. Verses 18 through 23. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, and indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. I like when Jesus explains himself. Like, I it do just makes too. Me feel so I do much too. Better. I'm like, wow, that's less work for us. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for explaining that, Jesus. And it's like we don't really have to go to commentary to back up what Jesus said because yeah. we're like, well, Jesus said exactly, it, so. exactly. But I think I think it's um kind of like we were talking about how it's the Holy Spirit who takes away that veil and opens our eyes to see the gospel. So it's, it's kind of a fun, well, I don't know if it's fun, but it's kind of an activity we could do, like think back, what was our heart? Like what was our soil? Like before we received mm-hmm. the gospel, like where we, did we at first like receive it with joy and then tribulation came and we're, and we just like shut it out. What, like what were, what was your life like before you became good soil and just really appreciating the fact that God Gave your heart good soil. Right, <laughs> right. It was exactly how it needed to be yeah. for those seeds to bear fruit. Yeah. yeah. And then the other thing I think of is like we were talking about well, just having that gospel overflow and like we don't have to control the outcome. Mm-hmm. God does that. But also we don't get to try to assume what type of soil other right. people are. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that person looks like rocky soil. So there's no point <laughs> in me putting my seeds there. I you know, I waste my time. Yeah. But yeah. The, I, I mean, I feel like I've been saying this for the last few months of like, mm-hmm. this is obviously something the Lord is trying to really take root in my heart. Uh-huh, pun intended. Um, <laughs> but just the fact that like, I don't get to decide who's worthy of the gospel or not. Yeah. And to just not try to spend my time thinking of what the soil is like and instead just really spend time exuding the gospel yeah Yeah. is that a word exuding i think so yeah i keep thinking about this too as i was reading this and i was thinking about how i always heard growing up you're just sowing those seeds like keep sowing those seeds you never know you know what it's gonna do and i i think i had gotten to a point where i kind of rolled my eyes at that because i just heard it so much and it can be um kind of frustrating when you don't see that Mm. fruit immediately and you don't know what kind of soil the seeds are falling on. And, um, like I said, you can get tired, but just remembering that like, that's what we're called to do. Like that's exactly what Jesus is saying here, that, that that's our purpose. And, um, we will see fruit where fruit is meant to be bare. Born, born, bared, bared. <laughs> bared. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I think it's uh, Jordan, our pastor. He has a really, really great um, 
encouragement for this because we in the like Christian world, like we think of um, accepting the gospel as like the ultimate moment. Yeah. Like, so when we hear, oh, you're sowing seeds, you're like, well, I don't want to sow seeds. Like I want to be the one who brings that person mm-hmm. to Christ. Mm-hmm. But what Jordan says is he says, think of your life, like your whole journey of life. Like, you know, we know sanctification is a process. So think of from the moment you were born until the moment you die. Like, okay, and think of the moment you're born as negative 10 and the moment you die as positive 10. And in the middle is zero and that's mm-hmm. when they become get to know Jesus. Okay, so we all want to be, we all want to take those people to that zero mm-hmm. point, which zero sounds like a bad number, but just, this is hard <laughs> to explain with without it. drawing. <laughs> but, but, but what Jordan says is a lot of times um, what we're doing is we, we might be taking them from negative 10 to negative eight. Mm-hmm. And we might be taking them from negative six to to negative one. And then the next person they talk to might be the one that God uses, but, or we, on the other side of it, once they're a believer, we might be the person that takes them from a one to a five. And so that we, we need to not make our whole point of evangelism, getting that That zero. I mean, zero. Yeah. Yeah. And so instead just seeing it as like, we get to um, disciple and evangelize and walk with people who are all different numbers Mm -hmm. on that scale. And that each of them is just as valuable as the other, Mm -hmm. but we tend to make, one more valuable yeah. than, the, than the other. Yeah, that's good. I like yeah. that. Um, one thing that we talk about a lot on here, but we don't always point out, is that we always like to ask ourselves when we're studying this, um, each passage, is what does this teach us about God? And so I thought this was a good spot to kind of bring this out. And it goes to what we were talking about before, but my immediate thought in this is God's sovereignty. Like it's yeah. not up to us. Um where those seeds land, like what kind of soil it is. It's all about God's sovereignty. Um, Jen brought this out in her teaching that sowing was commonly used as a metaphor for teaching. So this would have um, really just made sense to them. Yeah. Um, and what Jesus was trying to say. And this was meant to be encouraging to his disciples Mm -hmm. saying that, some of these seeds that you are sowing, they will bear fruit and I've got it. Like I'm in control and you just do your part and I'll Uh do mine. And it was meant to be encouraging to them. So that's good. The parable of the weeds, verses 24 through 30. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed seeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore again, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seeds in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. So this again would have made much more sense to them since they knew what reapers were. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Not the grim reaper. (laughs) That's what I think of. But I think, um, again, keep it in mind, we're talking about the kingdom and how the kingdom's coming. And so, I mean, it even says it starts with that the kingdom of heaven may be compared to. And so what we um, could take away from this is multiple things, but one that there is a growth process that takes place Mm -hmm. um, in we'll see this again as we continue, but it's not an instantaneous overthrow of all things bad. So like in their mind, they're like, well, why don't you just get rid of, yeah. of everything bad? Why don't you just get rid of the weeds? And, and Jesus is like, no, this is a slow process. A process. And that, like he says that if they would have pulled the weeds at that point, it could damage or kill the weed. And so God is protecting them. And 
this, I was thinking about like, what is, what would this look like in our own lives? And when we look around and we see evil or we look around and we see suffering or we look around and we see things that we don't understand and that we're like, why is this continuing to happen? What he's saying here is that in order for the wheat to grow, sometimes there's going to be sin that happens. Yeah. We live in a broken world. And yeah. and so just keeping in mind that just because we ha- experience suffering or see suffering, that doesn't mean God's not there. He's still there and he's protecting the wheat even though the weeds are growing. So it's mm-hmm. a tough, it's a tough thing to try to grasp, but just remembering like his ways are higher than ours and, and he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Even when it seems like weeds are growing out of control, he's aware of that. Like mm-hmm. he's like, I know, and I'm protecting the wheat by allowing that to happen. Yeah. One thing that I heard was that when the weeds started growing, they would look like the wheat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they would be hard to distinguish at mm-hmm. first, but then eventually, um, you're able to tell the difference between the weeds and the wheat by the fruit. And so I think this is a theme we're going to, you know, kind of keep seeing also is you will know them by their fruit. Like the, the true believers bear fruit. Yeah. And he'll explain this one a little bit Mm -hmm. more later in the chapter. Yeah. Um, All right. The mustard seed and the leaven. Leaven? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Verses 31 through 33. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air can come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Leavened. Leaven. <laughs> Again, I mean, a lot of people do make their own bread now. It's kind of like a cool thing to make yeah. your own bread. So yeah. that analogy might make more sense. But I don't think many people are planting mustard seeds. No, not usually. But this is like we said in the beginning that, that he's redefining what it's going to look like for the kingdom to come. And he's he doesn't say, you know, it's a mustard seed and then it'll become like a small plant. He's mm-hmm. like saying, yes, this seems like it's starting small. Teeny but tiny. trust me, it's going to become this a giant tree that he's saying is bigger than all the plants in the garden and so i think it's just him reminding them like hey don't lose faith that Mm -hmm. it's starting small Mm -hmm. and that's a really good word for all of us to just remember like like you're saying whether it's sowing seeds in people's hearts or whether it's your children or whether it's an maybe something that you're personally struggling with and you're like why do i keep struggling with this or why is this person not receiving the gospel or whatever it is like god's saying like take what you have which is small and i will grow it mm-hmm. into this tree you don't have to try to grow it into this mm-hmm. tree that's my work yeah and i'm going to continue to grow the kingdom yeah so that's good it's a little confusing here because i was like why did he feel like he had to use two different examples huh. but they kind of show two different things so it shows this is Jen Wilkin talked about this. It shows the extensive and the intensive effect of the kingdom of heaven. So the extensive is how the mustard seed grows and like stretches beyond like grows. But then the leaven stays within the bread. It makes the bread like grow within itself. Uh Does that make sense? Uh And so this is showing that the kingdom will stretch outward among all the, among people, but then it also affects every inner part of us and it makes us like internally, like it affects every part of us internally. So I thought that was good because I was like, why is he using these two separate examples? And she brought that out and I was like, Oh, that's really good. That's really good. I think that's really encouraging too, as far as like, 
we tend to justify or like understand the kingdom by the amount of people. Mm -hmm. So like when we're in, I mean, especially in a social media type age, like how many people are we reaching? Mm -hmm. How many people are attending your Bible study? How many followers do you have? Even a good thing, like a Bible study, like how many people are there? But I think like remembering, it's not just the mustard seed. Like we're also measuring something Mm -hmm. that's not really measurable. And that's like the leaven, like how much Mm -hmm. more are people understanding about god like how much depth is there not just right right yeah it's good prophecy and parables verses 34 through 35 all of these things jesus said to the crowd in parables indeed he said nothing to them without a parable this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet i will open my mouth in parables i will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world so we see a tiny bit of hyperbole like from the sermon on the mountain here where he says he said nothing to them without a parable because that's not actually, he didn't actually I know. Not I say like, nothing what? to them without a parable. <laughs> he, it's just saying that this is a, this is a main tool that yeah. Jesus used to teach them. Um, it would be like if we were to say like, she always, always. says yeah. this or whatever, mm-hmm. Yeah, which we know literally doesn't mean she exactly. always, we, exactly. we, ta- we were talking about that the other day because the girls on the way home yesterday, they're like, we always have this for dinner or whatever. And I'm like, we don't always <laughs> have that for dinner. That would be just weird. four times a week. But I love that we're coming back to seeing this Jesus fulfilling prophecy again and again and mm-hmm. again, which is one of Matthew's main, you know, tricks of the trade. And I love how he points this out because, yeah, he's reminding the Jews of things that they already knew, like from the Old Testament. But it's also super helpful for us because, like, I don't have the Old Testament memorized and I'm not as familiar with it as maybe the Jews would have been. So I love that he points out like specific things because maybe the people hearing this at that time would have automatically recalled it because they knew it so well, but I'm not going to automatically recall it. I would love to get to that point, but you don't have all of Isaiah. I don't have all of Isaiah memorized. (laughs) And so I am thankful that Matthew helps me out here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, parable of the weeds explained. So now we're going back to talking about the parable of the weeds. So verses 36 through 43. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the, is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who hears, let him hear. I just, I just, that phrase, the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, just, I don't like oh, that phrase. It's awful. Oh, but I mean, it's, it's a, like, it's a reminder that mm-hmm. we need because I think a lot of times we're like, we only think about like getting people to heaven. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? We're like, oh, I want yeah. them to be in heaven. We don't think about, well, the opposite. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? We don't want to think about, well, what happens if they don't? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And Jesus is sharing this with his disciples like with people he's not he's not using the fear of hell to bring people to him he's telling his disciples this is an important thing to share like not to keep in mind to keep in mind when you're sharing the gospel with others um and i like how he's reminding us that it's the angels that sort and not the workers of the field because Uh it's not our job to judge the heart of others the same theme over and over But 
I just feel like this is something that I struggle with so much is like judging the heart of others. Mm -hmm. And when I was listening to a, a teaching on this, that's one thing that she pointed out. She said, you know, we even worry about judging the heart of our kids. Like we're always questioning, oh. like, do they really know Jesus? Do they, you know, have I taught them enough? Yeah. Like, yeah. are they sincere? But it's not, that's not our job. Like even with our children, that's not our job. Right. And so that's, that was just a good reminder to me. Yeah. That is a good reminder. And I love that. Jesus is just gracious. Like, yeah, they're like, this is supposed to be something that they would understand. Right. Yeah. Cause he said, if you have ears, you know, like mm -hmm. you should understand. Yeah. And yet they still come to him mm -hmm. with their questions and he's gracious and he just explains it. He's like, yeah. and this is what it means. And so I think that's a good reminder to us to come to him oh, with yeah. our questions and to something that, you know, we're wrestling. Like even as we're going through this, you're, if something's like, that doesn't feel right. I don't mm -hmm. like that. Or I don't know how, I don't understand what that means. Like bring it to Jesus. Yeah. Like he wants us to do that. We see that all throughout scripture. And so it's just, so nice of him. I feel like that's something that, especially this week through um, some of this specific scripture uh -huh. I've done, I've been like, God, I like, I don't understand this. Yeah. And maybe I should, maybe I felt like I did understand it at one point, but now I'm struggling. Yeah. Like, and that's okay. Yeah. I think that for some reason in our minds, we think that that's not okay. It's not okay to question. Right. And maybe it's because, you know, as, parents and then you know we were kids at one time you kind of teach your kids like don't question me like <laughs> because I said so uh, type of deal uh, uh -huh. and so maybe that's kind of what we think well God said so so we just have to trust it which that's true to some extent but it's okay to question and to want clarity and to study and like those things are okay yeah those things yeah. are okay um I'm gonna read together the parable of the hidden treasure and the peril of uh the Pearl of great value. Parable. Peril. Parable. Parable of the, of the <laughs> parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl of great value. So this is verses 44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So when we were talking about what these parables and I gave my summary and I said part of part of what he's teaching here is that we need to give our life for the kingdom. And so I think that's what we're seeing through these ones. And and it's it's really encouraging to me that he used the word joy because mm -hmm. that in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has. He yeah. didn't say begrudgingly he goes and sells all that he has. He sees the overwhelming worth of that treasure mm -hmm. and he's joyfully he's giving joyful. his life for mm -hmm. it. And that's something that um, I think we can all grow in a little bit is that sometimes we're like, it feels like a duty mm -hmm. or like we're begrudgingly walking or whatever. And, um, but just showing like understanding that this kingdom and Jesus is worth everything. And in order to have it, like I'm joy, I, mm -hmm. it fills me with joy to lay down and get rid of what I had in order to have what he has. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important to keep in mind that others might not understand that. Like uh, there are yeah. people that are going to think we're absolutely crazy, but what we have is of great value and it's okay if we have joy. Like mm -hmm. uh, there have been so many times and we've talked about this on, on the show before, like where it's almost like you feel guilty for having too much uh -huh. joy. Uh -huh. Um, but the truth is, People just don't under some people are just going to not understand that and they're going to reject that. And and um, it's sad, but we we know what we have is of great value and we can have joy in that. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's good. All right, the parable of the net, 47 through 50. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. More gnashing of teeth. <sighs> Man, I just think of like when Harper, she grinds her teeth when she sleeps. Oh, no. And when I lay next oh. to her and she grinds them, I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. Awful. I can't imagine like hearing Ooh. that for eternity. Yeah. So we're seeing repeating themes, right? Over and over yeah. and over. Yeah. yeah. And, but it is. It's It might seem kind of um, like harsh or like a, a something that we're not constantly thinking of. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like this is eternity that we're thinking of mm-hmm. here and that we don't sort them and we don't have the, the outcome of who how they're sorted, but we are to be obedient to mm-hmm. continue to spread his kingdom to try to have as many saved as possible. Right. Yeah. There will be sorting, but Jesus is saying that time is not now. So be faithful to, right. to being obedient in what I have for you. Yeah. And, um, another thing that's kind of brought out through this parable is that you don't know until the fish have been sorted, what your yield has been. Uh-huh. And so once again, like you don't know uh-huh. necessarily. And the fishermen, like they would bring all of this fish in and they wouldn't know until they sorted them out exactly how many fish, were useful to them how right. many fish they could sell or eat yeah. um but they just trusted the process yeah. and they just did it anyway that's good that's good new and old treasures 51 through 52 have you understood all these things they said to him yes and he said to them therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out his treasures what is new and what is old so I heard a couple different things about this this part of this um, the parables, and one of them was talking about how we are to um, like 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 the one with the treasure, like give all that we have, and to understand the Old Testament in light of the, the New, New Testament. Testament. Mm-hmm. And so um, John MacArthur he says the disciples are not to spurn the old for the sake of the new, rather they are there to understand the new insights gleaned from Jesus in light of the old truths and vice versa. So what what he was talking about in this article was that it's not to just get rid of everything they knew. Jesus isn't oh, yeah. isn't saying like discount everything the Old Testament mm-hmm. said, it's not real anymore, but he's saying I'm fulfilling what the Old Testament said and I'm bringing new covenant and new truths to you that now you can understand the old better and you can understand me better now, you know? And so I thought that was helpful for us to understand. So we're we're not tempted to think, well, I I don't need anything before this then because Jesus is redefining Mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, And again, that, that same theme that uh, apart from being a disciple of Jesus, we can't see this truth or apart from Jesus opening our eyes, we don't understand these truths. And so he's asking them like, do you understand? And and luckily they say yes. Um, and we, we believe in order to understand. And so we must make sure that we're following the way of Christ. If we want to understand his teaching, I don't know where I got that from. And so we must make sure we are following the way of Christ if we want to understand his teachings. It's kind of this cycle. Like to understand what Jesus is teaching, we must be following him. And to follow him, we must understand what he's teaching. I think like that, at least that's kind of how I interpret it. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I think it's good. I don't know where you got it either. But I think it's good. <laughs> 
but I think it is a cycle and I think it's something that we've we've talked about quite a few times like um if you're thinking about like your desire for like the word like scripture Mm -hmm. you just you have to pray like if you don't have any desire like God give me that desire and the truth is like you might read a little verse here and you're like okay okay that that was good and then you start being more hungry and more hungry and more hungry and so to give you more desire you have to do what you're not desiring necessarily so it's kind of like the cyclical thing yeah i think too like specifically for the parables that this is coming out of like i think whoever i got this from was saying like or maybe i made this up no i didn't make this up like we have to first believe before we can understand yeah. it. so it's like they yeah. believe that jesus was yeah. messiah they're his disciples mm-hmm. so then they the understanding follows mm-hmm. the belief mm-hmm. so we kind of have to just like trust that god is who he says he is then we can understand more mm-hmm. of why he's doing what he's doing yeah yeah okay Jesus rejected at Nazareth, 53 through 58. And when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there. And coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not, is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all of his sisters with us? When did the, 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 the when? Where? Where then did this man get all of these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do mighty works there because of their unbelief. I mean, first of all, I didn't know he had so many siblings. I know. Siblings. I don't think I did either. <laughs> I feel like I should have known that, but I, know, I didn't. I, I was know. like, oh, wow. Oh, and sisters? Okay. Lots. I didn't know that. But uh, I was reading the, that Ligonier article about this, and it was talking about how uh, unbelief is fatal to all knowledge of the kingdom. So like we were saying before, oh, like yeah. if, if they don't believe, it's going to just be it. more confusing yeah. to them. So it's, it's fatal to all knowledge of the kingdom, but it's also fatal to personal experience of its power. Mm. And so it's oh. not just unbelief doesn't just affect our knowledge, but it also mm. affects the power of the kingdom that he's talking about. And it says, as Christ's old neighbors in Nazareth discovered, he didn't do many works there because of their unbelief. Because they were like, he can't be the Messiah. We saw him when he was a child mm-hmm. because of their understanding and their expectations yeah. of what the kingdom was going to be like and the Messiah was going to be like. It affected not just their knowledge, but also the power of, of mm-hmm. the kingdom. Yeah. I felt, I, I feel like I had a lot of, feelings when I read this. <laughs> I feel like I had a lot of feelings. I feel like I had a lot of feelings because I think that this is kind of true today. Like I think this is a lot of times um, part of why some people are called away from their hometown oh, yeah, because yeah. their ministry won't be as effective in their hometown. I'm not saying that's the case for everyone and I'm not saying everybody is called away, but it just made me think about that, about how you often hear people say like, well, they won't listen to me because they knew me when I was in diapers or, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So I think that that's just a good reminder to um, like go where the Lord is calling you yeah. to go. Like, like we talked about. Yeah. Like we've talked about before. Like, ago. yeah, there'll be all different places for all different people. And yeah. even Jesus um, in his hometown, like people weren't listening to him. So he went somewhere else. Yeah. Okay, so next week we're going to take a little break for spring break, but then we'll be back the following week with an interview with Jessica Hoddle about Waiting Well. If 
you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cox. 